Welcome back, everybody. It's the Field Goals Podcast. I am Dan Viennes. Post-game edition, reaction time. The Seahawks dropped to 2-3 and three on the season. They lose in New Orleans, 39-32. Another shootout. And my first takeaway from this game is this is the type of result that we were expecting to see a lot of this season. But we're getting to these results in a much different way than we thought we were going to. And we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Um, let's just kind of recap how things went, right? Another 10 a.m. game, back-to-back for the Seahawks. They've done well in these games over the last couple of years. And Bill Alvstad and I, a couple of days ago, talked about how this would be the true test. Not the true test, but a test, another test in the story of Geno Smith. That we were all feeling so good about how he's done after four games, but there were red flags. There were causes for concern. The second half performance against the Broncos. Second half performance, the end of the game, the decision, the, the taking the sack against Atlanta. And then he had the great game against Detroit. But as Bill was so good at being the voice of reason, if you listen to our last episode, it was against Detroit. And the Lions went out and proved again today that they're going to be right there with the Houston Texans for the worst uh, team in the league. Certainly the worst defense in the league. But now they go to New Orleans. They play a very, very good defense. Marcus Lattimore against DK Metcalf. Cam Jordan. Outstanding front seven. Just very, very good defensive team in New Orleans. Top 10. Good test for Gino. And guess what? Gino was great. 16 out of 25, 268 yards. He was vying to become, believe this or not, saw this stat this morning from one of uh, the guys on our field goal staff. I think it was John Fraley that brought this up. Gino was attempting attempting to become the first Seahawk quarterback in history, team history, to have three consecutive 300-yard passing games. Think about that for a second. Matt Hasselbeck never did it. Dave Craig, Jim Zorn. Russell Wilson never did that let alone John Kitna or Stan Gilbaugh. Uh, it's never been done. Came up a little short, but he was incredibly efficient. Again, three touchdowns, no interceptions. For the game, he had a 139.7 passer rating. That's damn near, I think perfect is in the 140s, isn't it? The Seahawks were doing okay. Forced a couple of punts. They were, they were kind of keeping Alvin Kamara in check. Andy Dalton playing for Jameis Winston, still battling with uh, ankle and back injuries. Kept him in check. And they went into the half leading 19-17, to and they did so in remarkable fashion. On this play, with 20 seconds left in the half, New Orleans protecting against the deep ball. Seahawks at midfield. Geno Smith finds Tyler Lockett. Smith steps up, and he is going to take a shot. He's got Lockett in stride. Touchdown, Seattle, with seven ticks left in the half. 54-yard touchdown right before the half. Makes it 19-17. Josh Myers misses the extra point. Um, Lockett had a big day. Five catches, 104 yards, two touchdowns. So they go into the half, 19-17. Everything falls together in the third quarter. New Orleans comes flying back, and there was two reasons for it. 
One was mistakes. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, four of their touchdown drives followed either a turnover by the Seahawks or a turnover on downs. There were some crucial mistakes in this one. Big fumble by DK Metcalf. With two and a half minutes left in the game, three minutes left in the game, Geno Smith on a third and two, misses a wide open Noah Fant for a, for a first down and takes a massive sack. Pretty much ended the game, took the Seahawks out of it, down seven. Some big mistakes in this one. All fell apart in the third quarter, but the biggest factor, and really, let's look at Alvin Kamara, right? That's the guy you're going to, especially with Jameis Winston out, Michael Thomas out, maybe their passing game isn't going to be as explosive. So, so you key on Alvin Kamara, right? They ran Alvin Kamara 23 times. 103 yards, 4.5 average, long of 13. That's not a bad job by the Seahawks' defense keeping him in check. He did catch six passes for 91 yards, including a key 54-yard gain on one of their scoring drives. But still, I mean, held Andy Dalton to a 86.6 rating, 187 yards, picked him off once, another interception for Tariq Woolen. But what killed him today, other than the mistakes, the fumbles and a couple of key penalties, I know a lot of you on Twitter are talking about how the refs jobbed the Seahawks on this one. Let me just get that one out of the way. The holding call on Charles Cross that negated a DK Metcalf touchdown, that's legit. And, and, and by legit, I mean the complaint is legit. That's a terrible, terrible holding call. But those things happen in the game. But the DK Metcalf fumble was a fumble. The touchdown to Olave was a touchdown. Stop it. Just stop it. Sometimes things don't go your way. Those were legitimate calls. Uh, Seahawks forced a couple of turnovers as well. Um, the rookies were all over in this one. Kobe Bryant, again, Pete Carroll talked about how he had a nose for the football and, and kind of had a knack for making plays, forced a fumble last week, did it again this week, knocked the ball out. Tariq Woolen with a fumble recovery. So he had a fumble recovery and an interception, his third of the year. But it was Taysom Hill. Remember him? He was kind of the flavor of the month a couple of years ago. The gadget player would come in, a lot of wildcat. They'd use him in a lot of ways when Drew Brees was there. Got him a big contract. Some people thought he'd be the heir apparent to Drew Brees, but just not enough, just not a good enough pure quarterback. He's a gadget player. Everybody knows what, what's going to happen when he comes in the game. Seahawks knew. Pete Carroll said afterwards. And I couldn't really take a lot of sound from his press conference because there were some audio issues for the first half of it. It just sounded like he was standing 30 feet away from the microphone. It just wasn't worth pulling it. But he said, we knew what they were going to do. We knew what they liked to do with Taysom Hill. But we couldn't get him down, couldn't tackle him. We couldn't get off the field. Taysom Hill, nine rushes for 112 yards including a 60-yard touchdown, three touchdowns on the ground overall, and he even threw, he was one-for-one one passing, 22 yards for the touchdown. One of those performances that, you know, he was kind of a popular, again, flavor of the month a couple years ago in fantasy football. In fact, at one point, he qualified as a tight end. And it was kind of fun. I, I picked him up and got a couple of weeks out of him at that point because I could play him as my tight end even though he was doing a lot of quarterback things. So if he had a game like this, it'd be huge. 
Who played Taysom Hill today? So wasted opportunity there. But it was a difference in the game. Mistakes, and they couldn't stop Taysom Hill, even though they knew exactly what was going to happen. Had some huge third down conversions in the Wildcat when you knew he was going to run the football. Same issues that have plagued this defense through five weeks. Lack of containment on the edge. Lack of impact, penetration up front. Poor tackling and not getting off blocks. Not setting the edge. Happened again. I thought Jordan Brooks played a better game today. Thought he was more aggressive, more on the hunt. He was making plays at the line of scrimmage. I haven't seen the snap counts, but Boye Mafe seemed to get a little bit more run. It looked to my eye, without a rewatch, like Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafe basically splitting snaps about 50-50, that outside linebacker spot. And there were a couple of times, including one when they got a little pressure on Dalton, where Taylor and Mafe were in at the same time. Uh, We saw Ryan Neal starting at safety, strong safety, instead of Josh Jones. Jones still got a lot of run in three safety sets, uh, but Neal was around the ball a lot. I think he's a better player. I think we saw that today. Uh, Seahawks give up 235 yards rushing again. And just uh, really struggling on defense. So what I mentioned at the top of the show, similar... A predictable result, one that we're going to see quite a bit throughout the season. Because they're playing a lot of young players. A lot of rookies, a lot of young guys playing. It's going to be mistakes. Now, guys like DK, he needs to, that's twice this year. Twice is there a third time. See, he's got a, granted, he's trying to fight for the extra yard, yard, Guy comes from behind and puts his helmet on the ball. That's that's tough. But he's had some ball security issues, and it's, and it's a concern. But the fact the defense can't get off the field and just isn't making any plays. Only one sack on the day, only one tackle for loss on the day, both by the same player. Guess who that was? The oldest player on that defense, Al Woods. Al Woods was having a monster football game. Was taking on and beating double teams. And was the only guy on that front three, four, five, in the front seven, making impact plays. Unfortunately, second half, uh, had a little flare-up of his knee and uh, had to leave the game. Carroll didn't have any updates after the game as to how serious it was, but called it a flare-up. So hopefully that's something that won't keep Al Woods out for long because he's the oldest guy in the defense, journeyman at this point in his career. And he's... <laughs> He's the best player the Seahawks have up front. Uh, some would argue Al Harris, but he's Al Woods is making plays. And really, he's the only one. So again, no penetration. Nothing dynamic happening up front. Uh, poor angles. Can't get off blocks. Poor tackling. Across the board. Across the board. I think this is a talent issue. And and I've had this conversation with people. Uh, and I even tweeted it out today, and, and our friend uh, Colby Patnode responded and and implied that he thought it, thought maybe it was coaching. That all, all those players that we've mentioned 
for them to all regress or take a step back um, is a red flag or is cause for concern. But man, I think it's just talent. And I just think it, we just lack, the Seahawks lack players that are a problem up front, in the front seven. Guys, where you don't have to talk about scheme, game plan, play calling, they're disruptive. And so again, back to my original point. We thought there'd be struggles with youth, right? We saw Abraham Lucas give up a sack today. It wasn't anything he did wrong. It's just something that he got overpowered by Cam Jordan, one of the best veteran defensive linemen in this league. Wasn't he, he wasn't physically overmatched. He just got out hand fought. The two of them were kind of hand fighting for position and Cam got the better of him. It's going to happen. Young guys are going to make a mistake. Young guys are going to be out of position. The young guys might be carrying this team. But we knew that was going to happen. There would be mistakes. There would be sloppy games. There would be games where they couldn't finish, couldn't get it done. But at the beginning of the season, I think we all felt like, we talked a lot about it on the show, we felt like the defense had enough talent to be average at worst. And that the problem and what was going to determine how good their season was was the quarterback. (laughs) It is the exact opposite, my friends. As we sit here today, now that he's done it against the New Orleans Saints, he's done it on the road, he's done it in tough environments, he's done it in second halves, he's come back from bad drives and had good drives, he's sustained his performance. Geno Smith's one of the best things about this team. And if the draft were held today, If the NFL draft were being held right now, I would be pounding my desk right here, right now, saying, draft defensive players. Wait on quarterback. Take a guy on day two that you can develop, that you think could be a really good NFL player, but re-sign Geno Smith build that defense, and use that draft capital on defense. Add an interior defensive lineman. Add an edge player. Add an inside linebacker. With high ceilings that can make dynamic plays, make an impact, be a problem. Because Geno Smith's good enough. There should be no doubt at this point. This is a different player than he was with the New York Jets. Or the Chargers. Or the Giants. We see players all the time that get better as their career go along and, and have a second life. We don't see it very often with quarterbacks. Steve Berline comes to mind. But we don't, when was, someone find me an example of a guy who flamed out as a high draft pick, waited eight years to get an opportunity to start again till he was in his 30s and then became a really good NFL quarterback. I don't know. I don't know. But Geno Smith's not the problem. And and it's not just that he's not the problem. He's not being a game manager. He's not just taking what the defense gives him. He's good, you guys. He's good. And if the draft was today, I would use those two first-round picks on defensive players. 
I would target a quarterback that I thought would be available in the second or third round. A guy that I thought I could develop in two years to be a really good player. And I'd fill in the rest of those holes, man. Because Geno's good enough. He understands the offense. He's throwing to the right guy. Not perfect. Not perfect. We had an opportunity to go down and score at the end. We had three minutes left, a couple timeouts. Could have tied the game. And he made it. He was it, terrible. Terrible decision on third down. Noah Fant was right open at the, at the marker for a first down to sustain the drive. He doesn't go to him. He looks for something else. He ends up trying to scramble. He loses, I don't know, 20 yards on the, on the sack. It was terrible. But those plays are such the exception to the rule. He is operating the offense the way it's supposed to be operated. He's making Shane Waldron look really good. Is anybody complaining about play calling? No. Not at all. The mix is good. He's using all of his players. I mean, you could talk about, you know, a third wide receiver, fourth wide receiver hasn't stepped up and established himself. But do they need to? No. It's the tight ends. The tight ends today, Noah Fant, Will Disley, Parkinson didn't even get involved, but they combined for five catches and 70 yards. That's your third receiver. The running game's effective. But let's talk about the running game. In a developmental season, we're going to get an opportunity now to see one of their key players have a bigger role. Unfortunately, Rashad Penny, who again was having another good game, eight for 54, had a long of 32, averaging 6.8 yards per carry, got injured, hurt his ankle. Sounds like he's going to be out for quite a while. Carroll called it a bad ankle injury. Didn't want to comment on it. Penny had to be carted off. What's weird about it is this. At the time the injury occurred, didn't look like anything. He didn't wasn't wincing. Didn't look like he was in pain. He just kind of got up on the sideline, on a, He was up on his on his butt, and he scooted himself off. And he reached down and grabbed it, but he didn't even look like he was in pain at all. So I thought, okay, it's an ankle sprain. Be out a couple of weeks. Maybe it's a high ankle sprain. It'd be out four to six. Carol made it sound like it was a lot more significant than that. Maybe some ligament tear, maybe a break. Oh, it's unfortunate. And, and, and man, I'm telling you, if you come at me with Rashad Penny and this is why he's injury prone and, and, and nope, uh-uh, no. 300-pound dude fell on his ankle while tackling him out of bounds while he's being gang-tackled after a tough run. There's injury prone and then there's unlucky. Rashad Penny's a stud and... um We'll uh, have to wait and hear how severe the injury is. Uh, but hopefully we haven't seen the last of Rashad Penny this year. But if we have Kenneth Walker the third out of Michigan State, the Doak Walker Award winner, second round pick. A lot of people said we shouldn't have taken a running back in the second round, but you know what? We did. And Carroll's been saying how special he is all offseason and up until now. And he got his opportunity when Penny went out. And here's what he did with it. Gino will turn around and hand it off. And there's Walker's first big run of the game. So it's going to be Kenneth Walker. He's going to be the guy. Um, had the the hernia injury in training camp that slowed him down for a little bit. It sure looks like that's behind him. He's running hard on that play. A lot of patience, a lot of vision, showed the speed. And uh, and Pete Carroll believes in him. Believes in him a lot. This is what he had to say about him after the game. 
we should say he's ready. You know, now I mean, he he got to play enough in this game. We got to see him. He got to make his plays and his cuts. You can see how explosive he is. This is the guy we've been seeing. So we're very very fortunate to have him, um, and uh, he, he's ready to roll. You know, he'll have more to learn. You know, and there's a lot more coming at him, but um, he certainly can show. He showed everybody that you know that the explosion that he has and, and the potential that's there. He's a fantastic young man coming up, and so you know this is his time. He's going to have to be because he's going to shoulder the load uh, as a Seahawks main running back for uh, for a good amount of time. Maybe the rest of the season we'll find out what's going on with Rashad, with Rashad Penny in the next couple of days. But uh, what's going on with the Seahawks are two and three now, thirty nine to thirty two. They lose in New Orleans. As I record this, the Rams are losing, the Cardinals are losing. Uh, so we could end up with a situation where all three of those uh, those two teams plus the Seahawks are two and three, and the Forty ers uh, who are beating Carolina at the moment, moved to 3-2. and two. So, hey, a lot still in front of them. The Cardinals come to Lumen Field next week on Sunday for a home game. Um, we'll talk to you later in the week about that game, and we'll get you ready for that. Um, we'll have a show later this week, and we'll preview that. Uh, and then we're going to start looking at some big-picture things as we get past week six and head towards the bye week. The schedule gets a lot tougher so I think uh, I think we're going to have some realistic conversations to have over the next couple of weeks, and some of those are going to involve the draft, and not just quarterbacks. I'm going to talk to some people that really follow the draft and get some ideas on who some of the defenders that are potential first-rounders are that are out there that we might want to keep our eye on on Saturdays. But as far as Sundays go, next Sunday, here against Arizona, the Seahawks 2-3 and three after the loss to New Orleans. I am Dan Viennes, at Seahawks Forever on Twitter. Thank you for following. Please subscribe so you get notifications of new episodes. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. It really helps the show out. Until next time, go Hawks. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.